Welcome to another edition of the Morning Devotional. My name is Pastor William Hill. I'm the pastor of Providence Presbyterian Church located in Evansville, Indiana. Today is Wednesday, January 11th, 2023. This is edition number three of season eight as we continue looking at the Westminster Confession of Faith. This morning we come to paragraphs two and three of the opening chapter, chapter one, that deals specifically with the doctrine of Scripture, or of Holy Scripture. Let's pray together, and then we'll look at these two paragraphs this morning. Our Father in heaven, as we come now to your word, and we come to these matters that pertain to your word, we first thank you for giving us the scriptures and giving us these things that we might have a light to our path. We thank you that you have been so pleased and kind to reveal yourself in your word, and we thank you for all that it teaches us. Indeed, it teaches us about your Son and the central message of your word. And so we Pray, O oh Father, that you would help us even this morning, even now, as we, uh, as we uh, listen to these things, as we hear them, that we would not only be hearers of your word, but doers of it as well. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Well, we have considered already chapter 1. We have seen how God has revealed himself in general revelation. We have seen that he has done that through his created order. And through all that he has made, the heavens declare the glory of God. We have seen how he has revealed himself in particular in, uh, in special revelation. That is, of course, the inscripturated word of God. And we have seen um, how it was most necessary for us to have these things if we are to understand um, uh, what God would have uh, for us and, and have us uh, do. Uh, today we come to paragraphs 2 and 3, uh, which simply read, and I'm not going to read the entirety of the list of the books of the Bible. They are there in the confession um, for you to, um, uh, to review. If you uh, have never memorized the books of the Bible, I would encourage you to do that. It's, of course, very useful. Memorize them in order. There's different resources you can get on the internet to do that. Put it to music, whatever it takes. But memorize it, Genesis to Revelation, memorize it in order. I'm just going to read paragraph 2 and, and, and as well as paragraph 3. There we have, uh, we, we read, under the name of Holy Scripture or the Word of God written are now contained all the books of the Old and New Testament, which are these. And then we have that list that's given to us in the Confession, both from the Old and New Testament, all which are given by inspiration of God to be the rule of faith and life. Let me just pause there here real quick before we move to the next paragraph and uh, draw your attention to a couple simple facts that uh, most of you will probably already know, but maybe your children don't, and, and now is an opportunity to teach them uh, these simple truths. First, there are 66 books in the Bible, and as Protestants, we only recognize 66 books to be inspired of God to be the rule of faith and life. The Old Testament contains 39 books, and the New Testament contains 27 books. You do the math. 66 minus 39, you end up with 27. In the Old Testament, we have uh, the uh, books broken down into various categories. Uh, the first five books of Moses are known as the Pentateuch, and then we get into the historical books, Joshua through Esther, and then we get into the poetical books, Job, and you may find that that's somewhat odd 
Job's a poetical book. It is. If you go and look in your English Bible and the way it's translated from the Hebrew, you'll see much of the book is set off, uh, um, indented heavily uh, to show forth its poetical structure. Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Songs. And then we get into the prophets, of which there are two different categories for the prophets. There's the major prophets and then there's the minor prophets, otherwise known as the, the Twelve. There are 12 minor prophets. This is not to say that they are minor or insignificant or less important than the major prophets. It's simply a designation uh, to demonstrate that they are smaller in nature. All right, so we have the major prophets, Isaiah and Jeremiah, uh, Ezekiel, and then we get into the 12 uh, that flow from uh, beyond that. Now, in the New Testament, we have four books. They're called the Gospels. Three of them are very similar, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John is uh, somewhat different. And then we have a historical book. We have the book of Acts, which was written by Luke. It's sometimes referred to as Luke, Volume 2. Then we have the Epistles of Paul. Now, there's some debate, of course, as to how many letters Paul wrote. The question, of course, is the book of Hebrews. Uh, Just a fun fact, I do not consider Paul to be the author of Hebrews, But I realize that that is often debated. And you know what? At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because the Holy Spirit didn't want us to know. And so we don't worry about it, but this is something that scholars like to talk about and fill their days with these discussions. But Paul wrote the bulk of the the New Testament, of course. And then we get into the general epistles of James, Peter, and the epistles of John, and then Jude, and then finally the apocryphal book, but really it's still a letter. It's a letter written to the seven churches in Asia Minor, the book of Revelation. Now all of these are given to us, as it says here, by inspiration of God. Now, what that tells us is that this is an inspired book. This is a book like no other, and it's inspired not in the sense of I sat down at my computer or I sat down with my diary and I started to write and I felt inspired. That's not the idea here. The source of the scriptures is God himself. It comes from him. It's breathed out by him. That's the literal literal translation of 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is breathed out by God. And so, of course, what does this really mean? Now, reading from one uh, expert, frankly, on the Westminster Confession of Faith, Chad Van Dixorn, in his fine book, Confessing the Faith, a Reader's Guide to the Westminster Confession of Faith, he says that in speaking about inspired books, the confession picks up the wording of Paul's second letter to Timothy, which states that all Scripture is God-breathed. Sometimes Christians speak of inspired authors of the Bible, and of course it is true, as Peter says, that holy men of old who wrote the Bible spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Certainly it is the case that Scripture is not of private organization and did not come by the mere will of man. We need to emphasize these things, and yet at the same time we need to be sure that we do not lose sight of the fact that it is the Bible itself that is inspired. In other words, the men weren't. The Bible is. This book, the Scripture alone, resides with God's breath of life in it. In It, it is perhaps for this reason that the letter to the Hebrews says that God's Word is living and active, and Peter says that the Word of God is living and enduring. If this is God's word, then little wonder that it is to be our rule of faith and life. 
Now, what does that all mean uh, to be a rule of faith in life? We believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. We do believe that Scripture does address, whether by good and necessary consequence or by direct statement, by principle, by interpretation, by study, all matters that affect um, God's uh, crown jewel of His creation, all matters of His creation, all matters of His world. And so if we want to know what we are supposed to do, if we want to know how to be obedient, we read the Scriptures. If we want to know whether or not we should marry that person, we read the Scriptures. Uh, if we want to know whether we should take a job, uh, wherever it may be, we read the Scriptures and we seek God's counsel and wisdom in it. If we want to know how we are to worship God, we read the Scriptures. If we want to know how we are to raise our families, we read the Scriptures. If we want to know how to do, and the list just goes on and on and on. But the Word of God itself is sufficient for all matters pertaining to life and godliness. Of course, it teaches us plainly, and we're going to see this in a, a few paragraphs, that it teaches us everything necessary that we might be made right with God. That is the, the doctrine of salvation. How is it that we can be forgiven of our sins? And through a simple, ordinary use of reading the Scriptures, it's plain for all to see. But the Scriptures are indeed useful for all matters pertaining to life uh, and uh, faith. Now, this means, of course, that we need to study the Word of God. We need to be busy about studying the Word of God. We not only read it for information and facts, and those things are important. They're good. In fact, I'm doing right now, twice a week, I'm engaged in a project that I'm writing. It's a Bible knowledge project in which I am working my way ever so slowly uh, through both the Old and New Testaments, taking a chapter of the Old Testament once a week, a chapter of the New Testament once a week, and just giving some information about the chapter so that it might inform, better inform God's people. Now, paragraph 3 then gives to us this, um, the, this statement. The books commonly called Apocrypha, not being of divine inspiration, are no part of the canon of the Scripture, and therefore are of no authority in the Church of God, nor to be any otherwise approved or made use of than other human writings. Now, this is a statement against the Roman Church, uh, precisely because they have added books to the canon. They have added a number of books, in fact, to the canon. Their list of what they consider to be inspired books is greater, is larger than uh, the Protestant uh, list. Uh, the Westminster Standards believes and asserts that they, uh, these books that were added are, are um, wrong, uh, and they should only be treated as any other human writing uh, that we have today. Again, uh, borrowing on uh, the words of Chan Va Chad Van Dixorn, he says, in discussing the books of the Bible, we also need to say that for a variety of ultimately inadequate reasons, some have added to these 66 books other ancient writings. These books are sometimes called secondary or deuterocanonical books, later editions often imprecisely defined by the churches which use them, including the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches. They were not part of the writings of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms, as Luke summarizes the Old Testament canon in Luke 24, verses 27 as well as 44. It would be helpful, perhaps, I think, to look at that, um, at those two verses. Um, it's, a, it's a striking section of Luke. Christ has been raised. He is now journeying uh, on the road to Emmaus. And we have in verse 27... 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And then jumping down to verse 44, then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. So not, no reference to these deuterocanonical books, these apocryphal books are mentioned. And there's a number of other problems with them, and it's really beyond the scope of this devotional to deal with them. And so we treat them as just other human writing. It would not be completely beyond the pale for me to quote from an apocryphal book in a sermon, but it's to be treated no differently than if I were to quote a commentary. Uh, it is merely a person's opinion. It's merely information. It may or may not be helpful, but it is not the inspired word of God. It is not to be treated as such, and as, as such, then therefore it is not the infallible rule of faith in life or faith in practice. Now, the message of the scriptures. This is something that is often confused by people, and I do not want to shortchange this, but I realize I'm running long on this devotional, but I want to make this very clear. The message of the Bible is not you. It's not me either. The message of the Bible is, in fact, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of scripture speaks to him and about him. All of Scripture is about the redeeming work of God through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is known as the historical redemptive approach to the Bible, one that I hold to uh, uh, vehemently and, 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 and endeavor to preach in that manner. That is to say that every sermon needs to have Christ in it. Every page of Scripture shows us something of Christ. Every page of Scripture leads us to God's redeeming work in Christ. Everything is about Christ. Jesus himself said it in Luke 24, and we need to get, wrap our minds around the fact that the Bible is not about us. It's about the Savior. Now, with that said, we are the benefactors of that message. We receive a great blessing from that truth as our elder brother, the Lord Jesus Christ, is exalted throughout all of God's Word. Let me give you a simple example of this. In Genesis chapter 3, after Adam and Eve had fallen in the garden, God says to the seed of the woman, he will crush the very head of the serpent. Now here we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the seed of the woman. And from there, all of Scripture then begins to unfold the means and processes by which God is going to accomplish this proto-evangelion, the first gospel given to our parents. And so the message is... Christ. And so as you read the scriptures, allow your mind to focus and dwell upon the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I trust these times are helpful for you. I hope they are. If you have any comments or questions, you can leave me a note. The way to reach me is there before you on the screen. And so when, uh, till the um, Thursday edition, when we um, move from uh, paragraphs uh, two and three, and we then now um, move um, to, uh, let me find it here for you before I uh, give you bad information. Um, we move from uh, paragraphs 2 and 3 of co the Confession. We move then to paragraphs 4 and 5 as given to us in the opening chapter. God bless.